The hour is late, and the moon is leering. If you feel as though you're being watched, you're right. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria. Starring Bess Lawson as Gilly O'Hare. Megan Stressman as Rusty Rattlesnake. Philip Stressman as Florence Beauregard. And James Kettler as every other person, living or dead. We open in the bedroom of a beautiful Hollywood mansion owned by one Wallace Patter Goodwin. Where Florence Beauregard has just walked in with a startling declaration. All right. Mea culpa, I admit it. I owe you a dollar. Magic is real. I'll take that dollar, thank you very much. I'm gonna, can I, will you take an IOU? Uh, I suppose. Okay. Bruce, Terry, can you both, um, and he waves, like, flits his hands, and the two gorgeous twinks that were in bed with him get up and shuffle out of the room. Nice to see you, Terry. Your penis looks terrific. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Listen, I need your help. He cocks an eyebrow. Flo uh, reaches into her pocket and pulls out the photograph of Mary Beth Summer's mother that Gilly stole from her notebook and tosses it uh, like a playing card towards Wally. And she says, I need to do a curse. <laughs> says, uh, so a curse, eh? Yes. That seems like a good introduction to magic, yeah? Just a simple curse. Hmm. On a simple idiot. And you want to do it on this woman, who I'm sure is about 90 years old by now, judging by this photograph? No, I, I, uh, no. I remember you saying something at some point that, like, you need an object that uh, was close to the person. A personal talisman. Yes, a personal talisman. That's what you sound like. <laughs> I keep trying to tell you, you sound like that. Bleh, I'm flow. Well, that's what you sound like. As soon as, like, convenient home recording equipment is a thing that exists, I'm going to record your voice and play it back to you, and you're going to feel really foolish. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to do the same to you, and you're going to hear that you sound like this. Hello, I'm flow. Uh, you nailed me with that one. <laughs> you got me. Anyway, this belonged to the person on whom I would like to place the curse. And what exactly have they done? <laughs> to deserve this curse? They're a fucking narc. <laughs> oh, well, I do detest narcs. Everybody does. Florence, 
while I uh, do appreciate you finally admitting that I've been right all these years and you were wrong. You're making me want to change my mind. I'm not so certain uh, a, a curse is a good uh, first-timer's introduction to the world of magic. Perhaps we could do some simpler spells, like I could change your eye color or your hair color, or we could do light as a feather, stiff as a board. Are you trying to game me right now? I'm not a fucking mark. No, I know. I want the real shit, Wally. I'm not one of your little customers. I'm not one of your little boyfriends. I want the real shit. I've seen shit now. I know it's real, and I want it. Hmm. No. All right, I'll start off with a simple bad luck charm. How's that? Perfect. And he uh, saunters over to a writing desk uh, that he has on the left side of his room, and he starts rummaging around, kind of pulling out a series of uh, small handwritten notebooks and tossing a few on the table, and then he picks one out and starts flipping through it. I want to try and palm one while he's looking at this one. Uh, yeah, so uh, while he starts flipping through one of these little journals, uh, just kind of saying, like, now let's see. When I finally do the typed version, I really must uh, organize these spells better. It's all all higgledy-piggledy. Listen, if you need a secretary, I'm happy to help you go through all of this stuff. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, you place your hand on one of these leather journals and start to slide it off the table. And just as you get it off the edge of the table without even looking up from the book he's reading, Wallace says, unless you enjoy reading a detailed description of every sexual encounter I've had for the last 20 years, I don't think that's the book you're looking for. I want to put it in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) You start to slip it in your pocket and Wallace says, put it back. Oh, can I read just one? I mean, you can read as much as you want while you're here, but I keep it. I'm going to need to update it later tonight. I want to open right to the middle. What does it say? Oh, my God. (laughs) January 3rd, 1921. Cooper came over this evening. He looked so dashing in that peacoat I paid for. We sat by the fire for a few hours, discussing life, philosophy, our hopes and dreams. And then he took me back to the bed. So boring. (laughs) I hate to read. Can you just like, I don't know, send me a picture next time. Yes, of course. I'll call in my personal photographer. We'll pose in front of it for several minutes, and then I'll put that in the mail and send it to you. Okay, terrific. Thank you. Because that's the only way to do that these days. I know. I live now. I know how the ways are to do things. And Wally says, uh, here, and he uh, tears a page out of the journal he's holding, and he hands it to you and says, uh... This one's relatively mild, so if you mess it all up, it shouldn't backfire too badly on you. Flo uh, snatches it eagerly. So have you once again only come to my manor to extract my secrets and information, or do you want to hang out? No, of course not. Wally, I love your company. You're one of the most interesting people I know on this block. Wonderful. Would you like to sit and listen to a symphony? And he uh, walks over and pulls out... um, (laughs) like an Edison wax tube and puts it on the phonograph and starts cranking it. Crackling symphony music blares out of the uh, sound cone of the phonograph player as Wally uh, starts shouting over top of it. Now listen very carefully to the string section here. I find what they do very interesting. You'll notice that they start on the diminished fifth and then rise perfectly on the... So we 
we hear Wally's voice actually like just kind of gradually mixed down to nothing as Flo <laughs> stops paying attention to him. Flo is going to fold that note up, put it in her pocket, and try and sneak out while Wally is still loudly listening to music and talking. Oh. You're so um, I think Wally is uh, still just like turning the crank on the phonograph standing next to it, but now he's got his eyes closed and like one hand conducting the music while he turns the crank. Oh, such beauty. Oh, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed. Oh. Florence, did you leave? Oh, well. Where did we leave the hookah? We cut to the Meyer Brothers studio lot. It's 7 a.m., bright and early, and the cast has just arrived for yet another day of shooting. Landon approaches the front of the crowd and makes his daily pep talk, bullhorn in hand. All right, everybody, good to see ya. We've got a big day ahead of us, lots of big, important stuff to do. I want to make sure everybody's had their coffee or their, or their, or their gin or whatever they need to keep themselves going for the day. Uh, so take ten and get back here ready to go. Rusty puts a cigarette in his mouth and goes to find Flo and Gilly. Can we go outside and talk now? Gilly, do you have a scene next? I mean, I like you're the star, but like, we gotta talk. I don't care, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all, I just wanna let you know that I got somebody to tail Mr. Myers Brothers. So, that's happening. When does that start? Today. I got my ex, Cheryl, to follow him and she's the best in the biz. She's so friggin' snaky. She's great. And she's gonna report back tonight what she finds out today but she's gonna st- like stay on the trail for a while but listen we do need to pay for the services of her because she is part of the lasso lads you know my guys. Um, you gave her a cut without consulting with us? I know but I have to do it. If you would have seen that red hair and those red lips. Rusty, you know I'm already underpaid as it is. I know, but listen, this is going to be a big payout. And I only am allowing the lasso lads and Cheryl to take 1%. 1%. (laughs) (laughs) So, your ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Who you clearly still have the hots for. She's hot. (laughs) Fair. Somehow Gilly's offended by that statement. Women are just Who's the beautiful. Fairest of them all, huh? <laughs> Women are beautiful, okay? We cut to Flo just picking her here. So, <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and all of the lasso lads. Yeah. 
I gave 1% collectively? <laughs> no, collectively, yeah. Okay, Rusty, great work. <laughs> I know. I friggin' know. So I, that's why I knew y'all wouldn't be mad. But also, like, I established a lot with them lasso lads. Like, they owe me. So 1%, and Cheryl's going to report back. And, uh, yeah. Did y'all have anything to report back? Oh, um, what is, what is her name, the one that makes me look bad? Oh, Mary Beth? Yes, that, that sad, sad woman. <laughs> um, her mom is not the only one missing. What? So maybe we should find out where her grave is because I think there's some others that need looking for. Oh, my God. All right. So how about we find out where Mary Beth's mom was buried and we go stake out the cemetery? Who's got a good enough relationship with Mary Beth? Find out where her mom is buried. Mary Beth uh, just, like, has come up from the costume department, just happens to pass y'all in the lot, and she looks directly at you, Rusty, and gives you, like, a little waggly finger wave (laughs) and a wink. Yeah, and Rusty winks back. All right, I think it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Rusty just doesn't say anything and just follows off after Mary Beth. Hey, Mary Beth, wait up. Oh, hi, Rusty. Hi. Uh, listen, I'm really sorry about the other night at the bar. I didn't mean to, like, lose my temper or anything. I'm just, like, really protective of my friends. No, no, I I, I totally understand. I, I, I really admire that about you, Rusty. Thank you. And, um, you know, you do such a good job here, and I feel like you're underappreciated, and... <sighs> Tell me about it. I know. And, like, no one, like, you just do so much, and everyone is so mean to you. And, I, you know, listen, I know you said that thing about your mom the other day, about how someone dug her body up. And I don't mean to, like, be so heavy and bring that up, but where was she buried? Because (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of burying my mom. And, and her grave's open <laughs> 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 for one deal. <laughs> but I feel like this is the way that Rusty would approach it, so I gotta go with it. Um, and I just don't want my mom buried there because <laughs> some stuff is happening. Yeah, no, I would, I would definitely not advise you get your mom buried there. I'm sorry, you did you lose your mom recently? I'm so sorry. I did. What did she die of? Rusty just pauses and looks down, takes his hat off and puts it on his chest and says, Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you don't have to tell me if it's too hard to read. No, no, no. I'm an open book. <laughs> it was a train accident. Oh, my God. And I like, I haven't told anyone yet. When did it happen? This morning. This morning? There was a train crash this morning? <laughs> At 5 a.m. I read the morning paper. I didn't read anything about it that. Where did here. it happen? It was back home in Colorado. Oh my god. I know. Oh. Listen, just don't tell anybody cuz it's it's private and usually I mean I, I am an open book, but like I don't want so many people in my business. So, I just want to get this totally straight. Your mom died in a in a train accident. In a train accident. In Colorado. In Colorado. But you're having her buried here. She's from in here. Hollywood. Cal- she's from Hollywood, California. It's rare, but she's from here. Why was she in Colorado? <laughs> Can we hear any of this? Yeah, I think you can hear the whole thing. We're dying in character. (laughs) 
she, I, my daddy's out here, and I'm out here now, and Colorado did us dirty, and I can't get into that right now. Wait, but. I need my mama out here, and I just don't want her to be buried where your mom was buried because so I don't you're need from her body. Hollywood, you moved I'm to Colorado, your parents got divorced, and then your mom stayed in Colorado? My parents aren't divorced. But your dad is here in Hollywood. Yes. There's not as many jobs in the world as you think, Mary Beth. I feel Beth. like I'm getting really into the weeds with this, and, <laughs> and I, I'm sorry. I know it's... I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be asking so many personal questions. Yeah, especially because my mom just died at 5 a.m. this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and West I'm sorry. Coast or Mountain Time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I... I it, it, it's I'm, very I'm confusing just, to I know, me. But, I'm just but all jumbled up. I'm jumbled up. It's, I'm, conf it's a confusing situation to I me, know. but but my my confusion is not the priority. Your grief is the priority. Thank so you, Mary Beth. I'm sorry. I won't question your really weird burial arrangements <laughs> any further. And uh, I, I'll just tell you that my mother's cemetery is uh, the uh, 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 flowers for Alger gone. Uh, Hollywood Stop. Cemetery. Wait, wait, wait. Flowers for all? Algergon. Yeah, make him say it as many times as possible. Algergon for what? Flowers <laughs> for Algergon Hollywood Cemetery. Definitely don't get your mom buried there. I won't. There's, there's been like a whole rash of grave robbings, apparently. Wait, more than just your mom? Yeah, someone keeps going there and digging up bodies. Wow. Oh my God, yeah, I certainly won't take my mom there. But if you find out anything else about this cemetery, you should just tell me because we're friends and I'd I like to know, you know? I'm interested in cemeteries. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hired two private eyes to look into like who took my mom's body so I can, I, I just want to get it back. You know what I mean? Did and you find out anything? No, they told me that there was nothing to go on. They didn't have any leads. That's bullshit. Security cameras don't exist yet, so. <laughs> Listen, Mary Beth, if I find out anything, I will let you know. Yeah, I've I've been I've been looking into um, alternative help for my mother's case, but yeah, absolutely, anything you can contribute I, would be wonderful. Listen, and Rusty looks Mary Beth Summers in the eyes, Locke's eyes. I'm gonna figure this out. But in return, you're gonna owe me, okay? Like friends do. Okay, sure. Yeah. I, if you, I mean, if you find my mother's body, I will owe you a lot. I'll owe you a big one. Sweet. Don't you worry. I'm gonna help you. All right? Thank you. Thank you, Rusty. All right, now pound it. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> she gives you a fist bump and just kind of like brushes her hair behind her ear and she's like, okay. Um, have a good one, and walks off. <laughs> uh, Rusty, like, hurries over to, uh, Gilly and Flo, all excited, like, smiling, like, and thumbs upping, and be like, Put your thumbs down, cowboy. Your mom just died at 5 a.m. this morning. Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that, Rusty. I would have been a little nicer, probably. Gilly, I lied. Wow, Rusty, you're a really good liar. Thank you. Should I maybe be an actor? No. Oh. <laughs> I'll, 
All right. Acting's well, not about lying. It's about telling the truth. Mm. Well, all right. Well, listen. <laughs> I am going to go stake out the cemetery tonight. I found out the cemetery that Mary Beth's mom was buried at. And apparently, there's more bodies I've been taken. So, uh, I'm going to go out there tonight. Uh, I don't know if y'all have plans or if you want to go. But we may be able to find something. And if Cliff is taking bodies from there, we can catch him in the act. I got one thing on my schedule this evening, but after that, I am all yours, cowboy. What are you doing? I need beeswax. All right. Fair. <laughs> Gilly? Well, normally I wouldn't spend more than five minutes outside, but Cliff is really getting on my nerves, so I'm in. Yeah. All right. Do y'all want to meet at the trough and I can drive us all to the cemetery? Okay. All right, sounds good. All right. See you tonight? Mm-hmm. Wear all black, but don't look super suspicious. All right? I'll try not to look so pretty. Yeah, try that. And then winks at both of them and then, like, jaunts off. With the same eye or different eyes? Different eyes. Ah, so you ah. blinked yeah. once. But I didn't blink. I did, a, I did the left and then I did the right. And then I ran. Yeah. So you blinked. <laughs> I think something's a little wrong with his eyes. <laughs> Probably from crying after his mom died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flo, you got something you're doing before we all meet up at the trough? Yes. Apparently. Where's Flo going? Flo is going to go stand outside of Mary Beth Summer's apartment building. Oh, my God. <laughs> Patiently waiting for that light to come on in the window. Yeah, so you uh, you head out. Mary Beth, uh, after her conversation with Rusty, she kind of went and talked to a few different people and then headed back down to the costume department. And you, I think, made sure to leave before she did. So you are, like, what are you doing? You're just standing. Standing on the sidewalk, holding a picture of her mother in my hand. Oh, my God. You crumpled up in my fist. <laughs> so you Staring at her window, waiting for the light to come on so I know that she's home. Yeah, while you are uh, standing on the sidewalk outside of her building, from like a couple of blocks away, you see her walking down the sidewalk towards the building. Yeah, so I, I don't think she pays you any mind. Uh, uh, you know, she's very busy with work, and obviously she's got a lot going on right now. I think she's mostly looking down at the ground as she kind of gets home, unlocks the front door of the building, heads upstairs, and you see the light in the second story bedroom window turned on. So Flo is going to uh, tightly hold this crumpled picture of Mary Beth's dead mother mm -hmm. in her hand uh, and using her other hand, um, carefully place, uh, form her hand to the shapes she saw drawn in Wally's images mm -hmm. while muttering the words in Latin, Sparrow, te, infasta. As your hand forms these intricate shapes and as these Latin words leave your lips, you feel, coming directly from that crumpled picture in your hand, a warmth and an energy. Uh, and you feel it kind of leave the picture and flow into your hand and you can feel it 
shooting all the way up your arm. Ooh. Like as you're as you're speaking, uh, and it like leads to your mouth as that last syllable leaves your lips. And as you get out that last syllable, a little puff of black smoke comes out of your mouth with it. And this smoke floats out and kind of coalesces in front of you into a little ball uh, and <laughs> continues to kind of condense and reshape itself. And then you hear like just a little, and there is uh, in the air before follow, falling immediately to the ground, uh, just a little like 10 inch tall, uh, little black, like Kirby looking blob with arms and legs uh, and no eyes and a mouth full of pointy little teeth. Oh, I made a Gengar. And it, yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. And it uh, it pops into existence and just kind of makes like a. <laughs> oh, you're a happy little guy. Hi, and, little guy. And he uh, scurries uh, up to the front of the apartment building and you see him like jam himself in underneath the frame of the door uh, with another little and he's inside. Okie dokie, don't need this anymore, and Flo throws the picture into the gutter. Um, <laughs> oh my god, you're such an asshole. And she says, uh, she like wipes her hands, and she says, all right, let's go dance on some graves. Oh my god. <laughs> and she heads to meet her friends. We cut to the outside of the trough, deep in the middle of cowboy town. Yeah! Hooey! It is a busy night at, a tr at the trough. All of the horse stalls are filled. A uh, bunch of horses tied out there. Uh, barbershops strangely got no customers right now, but uh, there is excitement going on inside. And we find Rusty Rattlesnake and Gilly O'Hare loitering outside of the cool, cool cowboy bar waiting on Florence Beauregard. Um, Gilly is wearing, uh, she has on a black hat to completely cover her hair and a black, uh, kind of like a fancy trench coat, um, and inside, so she has her brass knuckles on underneath gloves, black gloves, and, um, in her big jacket, anytime she's doing anything 
like this. So she always has her like vampire hunting things, like a yeah. few stakes on one side, just sure. in case, even though that's not really what she's doing. Um, and then on the other side, she has um, a revolver. Nice. Um, I think Rusty's wearing black cowboy boots with like embroidered uh, roses on it. And there's like a little bit of red. It's like red stitching. And then black jeans and then a black long sleeve button up and then a black vest that has fringe on it, black fringe on it. And then a bolo tie, black bolo tie with like a little silver um, piece on it. And then black cowboy hat. Black on black on black on black on black. Flo arrives wearing a black dress that uh, was made to have a stylish high hemline. But she's so short, and it wasn't fitted to her. Uh, that it's just it like just a, looks like a maxi dress. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah she exactly. Just steals it from places. Um, uh, which has uh, um, sheer sleeves uh, that go all the way down to her wrist, and she's wearing like a matte black metal necklace. Hey, Flo, you did that thing that you needed to do. Yeah, I finished my chores, and now I can have some fun. All right, let's get in my car and let's head to the cemetery. We cut to Rusty's car, pulling to a stop outside the wrought iron gates of the Flowers for Aldragon Cemetery. where the poor people in Hollywood are buried. Yes, uh, it is, uh, because it is directly across the street from the Stars in Heaven Hollywood Cemetery, which is where all of these celebrities get buried. Oh, and dang. you know this because there is a little kiosk right outside the cemetery that says Maps to the Stars Graves. Are there like huge spotlights illuminating <laughs> <Yes>. the cemetery? <laughs> Blinking neon yeah. sign. Um, but y'all aren't at that cemetery. Yeah. You are uh, headed into Flowers for Algergon. Which has all the all the corpses here are way smarter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or they were until their brains got eaten by worms. Sure, sure, sure. So it's um, easier to steal from this cemetery than the one across the street. Yeah. The So y'all walk up. Uh, there is a uh, like a big iron rot sign that says Flowers for Algergon Cemetery and a big iron gate uh, accompanied by like a modest stone fence. But... Walking up, y'all see that there's there ain't even a lock on this gate, which makes it pretty apparent as to why someone who needed bodies would be targeting this place. Flo kicks it open. Yeah, the doors of the cemetery swing open with a creak. It's dark and spooky in the cemetery. You can hear an owl hooting in a nearby dead tree as you look over the rows and rows of tombstones. Catching your eye, Immediately, as soon as you walk in, is a a tombstone in front of a completely open grave. The sun has just set, and it has gotten very dark. And there is a a row of trees planted uh, all around 
the fence inside the cemetery that is uh, lowering visibility even further. Uh, and I think about five steps into the cemetery, Rusty, you have to like put out both your hands to stop Flo and Gilly from walking into uh, a dug up grave Blech. because it's so freaking dark that you can't see them real well. Whoa, um, hold up. Watch your hands there, cowboy. No, I'm I'm just trying to protect y'all. Look at look down. There's a hole. I just don't want you to trip. Yeah, it's suspiciously grave-shaped hole. With a tombstone in front of it. <laughs> Wonder what that could mean. Uh, after you stop Flo and Gilly, uh, Rusty, you look up and kind of take a look around this cemetery a little further. And you make note of the fact that that gate that Flo just kicked open is the only way in or out of this place. Uh, other than that, there is like a 12-foot stone fence surrounding all edges of the cemetery. So like, you could maybe climb it if you needed to, but it's not gonna, it's just a rock wall. Like, it's not gonna be easy. As y'all descend a little further into the cemetery, you make note of a number of graves dug up and they seem to get more numerous as you like the further back in the cemetery you get presumably whoever was digging up these graves was like at first trying to keep them like the ones in the back that no one's necessarily gonna see but they kind of ran out of those so now they're moving up in the graveyard uh, and as you approach the mausoleum that you pointed out Rusty like, right as y'all are about to duck behind it, you hear that gate to the cemetery open again. Shh. Did he hear that? Yep. Uh, Rusty, like, takes off his cowboy hat and then, like, peers behind the mausoleum really quick. Uh, and you can just make out through the darkness two figures, one short, one tall, entering the cemetery. There's two people. I don't know what they look like, but one is short and one is tall. That's all I know. Is it Abbott and Costello? <laughs> Who? Laurel and Hardy? I don't know <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> Rusty looks at Gilly and says, listen, I'm a trained professional. I'm a stunt person. I can be undetected and roll around. I'm gonna go over there to that. You see that really big, big, big gravestone? Like that, that family-sized one? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna roll right over there. And I'm gonna get a little bit closer. Yeah, Rusty, you, um. Dives. You, you, uh, dive into a somersault beautifully like a freaking gymnast. Uh, through the air and you tuck and roll and make it behind this headstone. And then you do it again and a third time, ping-ponging around behind these headstones to creep closer to these new individuals who have entered the graveyard. What? Wait. Yeah. As you follow their path, you find that they... Whereas y'all just kind of headed straight back, they're following the perimeter on the outside of the graveyard and heading as far back as they can go.
you creep close enough to now see that uh, both of these individuals are wearing tan trench coats and fedoras with the collars turned up real high. They don't see or hear you moving around the cemetery after them, but they are constantly like looking over their shoulders suspiciously. They make it to the back of the graveyard and uh, they both shared like a knowing look and a nod at each other. And then they both open their trench coats and pull out shovels. Uh, they pick a fresh spot on the ground near a row of already dug up graves and begin to dig up the one untouched grave in the area. What in the world? Um, Rusty's gonna try to like look at the girls, but um, it's like pitch dark, so yeah, no way you can see him. We're yeah. furiously like doing the no sign across our neck and just like <laughs> holding up a finger, like wait and watch. <laughs> Rusty is like having a really hard time and like is fighting everything in his body to stop these people from what they're doing, but he decides to try to hold off as long as he can, but he's literally like biting his lip like he's like and his fists are balled up and he's just like injustice makes me mad they are uh they're digging up this grave and at one point like pulling their shovel like to dump the dirt swinging their shovel around one of them hits the tombstone and just takes a big chunk out of it with the shovel and they you just see them like shrug and then keep digging Ooh, that grinds my gears. <laughs> um, he's trying. He's like about to explode, though. So he's going to try to hold on for like a little bit longer. You hear the thunk of their shovels as they have now hit a coffin. And the taller of the two figures climbs uh, agilely out of the grave and trades their shovel in for a crowbar and then hops back in the grave. Rusty wants to catch them, like, literally in the act of taking out this body. So he's going to let it go on, but he has started to... He has a his sub his Tommy gun on him, so he starts to pull his gun around and switches it in front of his body and is, like, getting in a threatening, like, stance. You hear the uh, crack wood of the coffin as they split this lid open. Well, I pull my gun out and I've just about had enough. Rusty's gonna stand up and say, all right there, you freeze! Okay, I guess we're going now. <laughs> oh, God damn it! What are you doing? Uh, the two figures in the grave uh, spin around to face you. Uh, you can now see their faces clearly for the first time. Mm -hmm. The shorter figure is an older man uh, wearing bifocals far down on his nose with a big, bushy, white beard and a bald head. And the taller of the two figures uh, is a woman with close-cut blonde hair. Uh, they both spin around to look at you. The man uh, immediately puts both of his arms in the air, and the woman smacks him on the back of the head and then hurls her uh, crowbar at you. Gilly hears Rusty scream and takes off running to jump in front of him and catch the crowbar. Midair? Yeah. Hell okay. yeah. Yeah, Gilly, you uh, just 
tore frickin' ass across this graveyard, hopping over empty graves along the way. I'm stealthy. Um, and you, like a, like a frickin' anime character, like, dart in front of Rusty, just as this crowbar is flying at his face, and I think you managed to catch it with both hands. Um, I'm striking a pose. <laughs> yeah, it does look very cool, but it does hurt your hands real bad, and you're gonna take one harm. And the old man uh, puts his hands back in the air and says, um, Wait, 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 Ethan, what are you doing? There's no need to go around throwing crowbars at people. What'd you say? Oh my God. Yeah, you weren't even very good at it. Look how easily I caught it. What are you, a prospector? You out here panning for gold in a graveyard? Listen, hey, I could ask you the very same question. We're waiting for people like you that are robbing graves and taking away dead bodies from loved ones. And I thought maybe we were going to stake you out and follow you back to your lair, but here we all are. I couldn't let this just happen. Okay. Uh, The tall woman uh, kind of like leaps out of the grave and gets face to face with you, Rusty, and she says, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not robbing any graves here. I, okay, I, I, I understand how you could have made that assumption based on appearances, but Rusty puts the Tommy gun like at her chest. She doesn't even flinch. Oh my god! And she says, "Uh, you better not put that barrel against my chest unless you're ready to use it." Ah, uh, listen, we're not here to rob any graves. It sounds like we're here for the same reason you are. What? Say it now, or I'm trying shoot. to find out who's robbing these graves. And the old man says, who or what is robbing these graves? Then what are you doing? Why did you jump in in here and try to open up this grave? It, I was checking to see if maybe the graves were robbing themselves from the inside. That's, and he starts tapping his temple. That's stupid. That's a really dumb idea. Yeah, it is dumb. Are y'all, wait a minute. And then like Rusty's like giving them a once over, like looking at them. Are y'all private eyes? Uh, they both share a glance, and the old man kind of like scrambles out of the grave and brushes the duff- dust off his coat, and he says, "Uh, well, something of that nature. We're um, I really hate this title. Go on, say it. Go on. We're paranormal investigators. Oh, a what?" My name's Ethan Vashcock. And my name is Zeppelinius Lynn, but my friends call me Zepp. Wait a minute. I've heard of you two assholes. You have? You're the ones that've been going around busting and exposing spiritual mediums. Uh, you wrote that right up on Magnificent Gregarious and ruined his whole frickin' gig. Yeah, that was me. He was a frickin' con artist. I so wanted him to be real. I really, really wanted it to be real, but he wasn't. Wait a minute, though. Uh, and Rusty's holding his gun at both of them. Why are you doing this? Who did someone hire you? How did you know about this? I think you're like moving your gun back and forth between <laughs> yeah. the two of them. And every time you point your gun at Zep, he just puts his hands in the air and then puts them back down <laughs> and then puts his hands in the air and puts them back down. Flo says, no, they're not working for anybody. They're just a couple of narcs. <gasps> well, no, we were actually hired by a, uh, and Ethan takes out a little notepad from her jacket pocket. Uh, we were contacted by a one Miss Summers to find her mother's corpse, mm. and uh, 
we came to the cemetery and saw all of the open graves and figured something was up. I think it's a Sasquatch. You think everything is a Sasquatch. Well, did you find out anything? Well, I've concluded conclusively that it's not zombies clawing their way out of their graves. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I was being sarcastic. See, take a look right here. And Zepp lifts the lid of this coffin, still containing a corpse. Uh, I was checking for scratch marks on the lid. Zombieism tends to spread to the whole cemetery once it happens to one corpse. Gilly plugs her nose. Yeah, I destroyed my olfactory senses a long time ago, so I don't smell nothing. All right. Ethan says, uh, yeah, that's why you never shower. (laughs) Well, then... What's your lead? What do you think is going on here? I think it's a Bigfoot. It's not a Bigfoot, Zep. Uh, what's a big... No. Uh, someone's coming here and getting the bodies. Obviously, someone's doing something weird with them. And you have no leads? <sighs> yeah, well... Yeah, well, now that we've eliminated zombies from the checklist, it, uh... It only leaves a couple of, a couple of possibilities. And what's that? Why the fuck should I share that with you? Listen, if you don't work with us, then I'm going to take your friend out. Do you want that? Zep sticks his hand in the air and says, Okay, okay, she thinks it's a ghoul. Uh, You think it's a ghoul? God damn it, Zep. Why didn't you want to tell us that? (sighs) Because I'm trying to prove that they're real. I don't want you to prove that they're real first and get all the credit. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. I'm not even interested in the credit. I just want to find out that they're real. I think they're cool. A cool ghoul. All right. (laughs) Cool ghoul. Gilly's been, like, massaging her temples this whole conversation. Got a throbbing (laughs) headache. None of us want... handache. (laughs) (laughs) None of us want the credit. We're just trying to figure out some stuff on our own. What's a ghoul? A ghoul is a corpse that's been reanimated through unnatural means and feasts for the flesh of the dead. Can they, like, live a normal life? If they, say, cover their face with a bunch of makeup, can they just, like, live a normal life? Well, they've been documented blending in pretty well to human society for a time, but eventually that gosh darn hunger always takes over. They're never satiated. The hunger only ever gets worse and worse and worse, and they never feel full. They might be able to maintain normalcy for a little bit, but eventually they're going to crack. How long does that take? I don't I don't know. I've never had one on hand to, like, research it in a clinical setting and find out how long from normal to crazy. How did you find out about them? Where do you get this information? How do you know the thing that exists? I mean, there's stories about ghouls going back that you can read from, like, every society in the last 2,000 years. It's not hard to put the pieces together. If you saw a ghoul in real life, could you confirm it? Um, I mean, the only way to confirm it's a ghoul would be to, like, I don't know, like, cut off its head. And if it's still alive, hey, guess what? You got a freaking ghoul on your hands. I can do that. Or, like, wound it mortally in any way. And, you know, if uh, if it ain't dead, it's probably a freaking ghoul. All right. Flo, can, Flo, like, turns her back on these two uh, jagaloons to talk to her friends. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, all right. Sounds like maybe we got a plan for our next move. 
Yeah, I get to cut someone's head off tomorrow. <laughs> Listen, do we need to, like, stay in contact with these people? Should we get a number? An address? Anything? Already got you covered! And Zepp hands you his phone number on a little slip of paper. You were listening? It's, it's 14. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening, you're standing a foot away from me. Ugh, thank you. Well, we may call you. We might not. So wait, I'm sorry, not. do you know where a ghoul is? I don't... Mind your own beeswax. Yeah, mind your own mind beeswax. Mind our own beeswax! We, are get... we were here first and you came here. So Yeah, y'all sound like you got maybe like a parallel story that you can follow. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't see us here. And Rusty holds up his gun again. I don't even know any of your names. You never introduced yourself. I introduced myself. Yeah, because I had a gun to you. You didn't have a gun. You had Ethan, a crowbar. Ethan, they're mysterious strangers. Let them have their vibe. Zep, you can't just... You've really got to start taking this stuff seriously. I take it very seriously. I think it's really cool. All right. Rusty, like, looks at Gilly, looks at Flo and says, let's get out of here. Yeah. Listen, if I see you all around here again and you try to throw a crowbar at me and my friends, I'm going to fuck you up. Okay, don't point a gun at me and I won't throw a crowbar at you. Don't be robbing graves in the middle of the night. We weren't suspicious. robbing. We just went over this. We weren't robbing the graves. Hush. Let's all go back to the trough and do shots and open up about our past to each other. Yes. Bye, <laughs> new friends. I look forward to your call. Oh, my God. Goodbye, poor person. <laughs> As Zeppelin enthusiastically waves goodbye, our camera zooms out on he and Ethan as y'all walk away from the two of them. And then it zooms up into the sky and descends on the other side of the street, outside the Stars in Heaven Hollywood Cemetery. As unbeknownst to our hunters, two figures, one of whom is carrying dirty shovels, the other of whom has a large, heavy-looking burlap sack draped over their shoulder, shut the gates to the celebrity cemetery and lock it behind them. Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria was edited by James Kettler and produced by Philip Stressman with additional sounds provided by Zapsplat.com Monster of the Week Tabletop RPG was written and created by Michael Sands Join us again next week for more 
Phantasmagoria. And until then, be chill and stay dangerous.